Spin Cat Podcast with AJ and DJ. It's playoff season. Y'all know how we be. Turn up that noise. Spitting Cap is back, baby. The boys are back, and it's playoff time. How are we feeling about the Stanley Cup so far? I mean, what do you? I mean, what can we say? I mean, the straight best. up noise, baby. We all knew that the Stanley Cup playoffs were the best playoffs in all of sports, but this year has kind of lived up a little bit better. We've had Game Sevens. We've had Tender standing on their heads. We've had the two best and brightest in hockey going at it, and. One We've had some of the greatest playoff performances, too. And it's kind of what we predicted when it came to the intensity and noise of the playoffs, man. It's that, you know, the Stanley Cup is back. Fans are full force. We saw an amazing battle for Alberta. You know, Canada fans are back. It's awesome. The Stanley Cup is at full force. I mean, but let's, let's, let's dive right into it. That battle of Alberta. Oh, dude, the intensity in that across that entire series was insane. I know, obviously, the Flames lost one to four, but well, I mean, the, it the was Red closer than, than what that says, you know. Each that game Red... was just, oh, still gives me chills. I mean, there was probably more fans outside of the stadium than they could fit inside of the stadium. Like, that battle <laughs> of Alberta was electric. But It's crazy how I uh, – I almost said I land, excuse me. It's crazy how Toronto teams do that. You know, we saw it with the Blue Jays and obviously the Raptors. When they show out, they show out. I mean, neither one of those teams play in Toronto, but we'll we'll just roll with it. I mean, they play in Calgary, and then one team plays in uh, Edmonton. But we'll continue continue on. I I meant to say Canada, excuse me. I was out here. I I meant to say the Canada teams. (laughs) You're right. The Canadian Canadian teams do show up, and they show out, especially for some hockey. Those guys will make some hockey. I mean, that McDavid goal in game seven, though, was just – that felt like Jose Bautista in the playoffs backflip. Like, I don't think that play stopped. Like, I think he – like, it, it was – but it was weird because it was on the road. And it was just quiet in Calgary when that Dude, goal hit in overtime. And it was so perfectly. Right off the board, Dryzo makes that pass, and McDavid just clinched it home in the back of the net. That was sweet. And you're right. It, I mean, it, you could hear a needle drop in that place. Calgary was because everyone was wanted stunned. something to go wrong. They wanted something to happen. They wanted offsides. They wanted interference. They wanted something to happen right there. And I don't know how you let McDavid be in that position, but I mean, at this point, it hasn't mattered. I mean, he is playing on a whole nother level. Between him and his teammate Dreisel, they might be playing some of the best hockey, at least I've seen in the playoffs. I mean, we have the Gretzkys. We have all those great performances in the 90s. But these two are playing on another level, and I they mean, still are having difficulty winning as a team. That shows yeah, you how I, tough it is to win in this in this sport and in the I, in the cup. I don't even think it's just they're winning as a team. I just think defensively that the Oilers are just terrible. Offensively, obviously, you got to keep up. you got to put points on the board to stop. But, I mean, defensively, they're going to give up way more than just they can handle. I mean, their goalie's not very good. Like, that's why a, a lot of us hey, – I mean, Everyone neither, hates Mike Smith, but he's not terrible. <laughs> neither one of us. But, I mean, you, you would think Jeff Blasher was coaching this team. 
with how bad their defense is. Yeah, that's like that's a good statement right there. It, You're right. It's really bad. I mean, but and then, even I mean, obviously the defense is bad, and some guys hate Mike Smith. But look at their team, though. Look at their lines. That front line we see Evander Kane leading in goals. That's all they have is that front line. I mean, to see how crazy low their depth is across the board between the four lines and but i mean not only it's that, it's a I problem mean, i mean these guys when, when, it's we, not like the really, nba where butler can play every minute you know these guys are getting exhausted mcdavid but the, the, big, the bigger issue is you don't have an enforcer on that team you don't have a guy who's going to lay some hits on people Connor mcdavid is leading this team in hits yeah that should tell you your center that should that should tell you everything you need to know about just, I mean, this team's flashy. They're going to get you all the goals. <laughs> but but are, are they going to stop any goals? And as of right now, no, they're not at all. No. Like, I mean, we're not going to – we won't get too deep into that just yet because we got a few other conference finals to run into. But, yeah, Edmonton, we definitely need to see them be better across the I mean, board. they shocked the world. Shocked the world beating – shocked the world. I mean, that series against the Flames, I mean, the Flames were the best defensive team in hockey in the regular season. And – yeah, that was the some hard nosed puck, man. Battle of Alberta. That's the definition I mean, right the there. Oilers, the Oilers, How about the average, eastern average, side? On the eastern side, I mean, Tampa. What, what else can you say? They're just so dominant in the playoffs, man. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Vyselevsky, but when it's game seven, I mean, my guy has it. He has a different, he has a completely different attitude. And those closeout games, when, the, when, when everything's on the line, he plays better. In the first two games of this series, though, it's just. It's not looking good for him, but it's not. But it, all around, I mean, obviously, goat talk is crazy. Excuse me when we talk about early. a goaltender, but, but I mean, this and, dude and is money in the seven, playoffs. And, and and I think I wouldn't even say the entire playoffs. I just think when it when this goes when you need your tender to make a stand, he's probably one of the top three choices when you need a game seven tender. Because oh, in those after, closeout moments, yeah, he's definitely probably and, the and, one. And those in those closeout moments. He, he's really what you need in those big moments. And he was clutch in that series in, against Florida. You know, they shut out Florida. We saw the Rangers win an unrelentful game seven over the Canes. So let's talk about the Eastern side and, you know, in the final four here. We talked about Vazzy. Let's talk about the whole matchup with the Tendies, man. Igor, I mean, Vazzy. That's, a, he, that's I mean, an awesome Igor, matchup. I mean, so far, so far, Igor's winning that matchup. Oh, yeah. I mean, he I mean, was he's, he's dominant in he's, game he's, one. And he was very good in game two last night too. So, yeah, I, I think I think we need to start crediting Igor a lot here too. You know, saying that Vazzy is the goat. I think personally, it's it's quite crazy. Obviously, I'm a Martin Brodeur nut, and Patrick Roy will always be up there too. I get it though. I mean, Tampa's looking for that three peat. Vazzy's been clutching the playoffs. You pointed out that yeah. game seven masterpiece that he always puts on for you. But Igor, man, he. I think Igor, all around, he's I mean, the better ten. I mean, I really do. And, with Igor and Lemieux, I mean, you got the pieces you really need. Yeah, you Rangers. The they had that. They're back in that like mid two thousand when that you know had Stalin company. But when you know they're so I mean, electric on the defensive side I with mean, that shutdown you know, goalie like they used to have with Lundqvist. We've been seeing all the memes, you know, but the Rangers really got that dog in them. I think that's the. I think that's really all you. That's really the only way to describe the Rangers right now. That's they the just dog. That dog in them. In them. They just. They yep. just have it. They. Just, I think it's not that Tampa. Tampa's been there. The Rangers haven't. The Rangers want it more. The Rangers want to taste it. 
Do you, I was, do you think that might be like that kind of that game changer in the scenario? Yeah, I, think it, I think it's that complacency. Yeah. I think it might be complacency. And we've seen it, you know, we've seen it with obviously the Warriors. We've seen it when Jordan and the Bulls era ended. When you play a team that's playing against that, you know, back to back, back to back to back champ, it they get hungry. You know, they they get that dog in them. You know, they they play special. And I think you might see that across the series and in, in the eastern side here with the Rangers. And they Igor have, is going to continue to be like that in the net. At the end of the day, they just have nothing to lose. And the Lightning are playing for legacy. They're playing for a dynasty. The Rangers aren't supposed to be here this year. This is not the Rangers. The Rangers and the Oilers are playing with house money. Yeah. That's and and, I mean. and you pointed out the Oilers not having those enforcers. Mm-hmm. So I look at the Rangers, man. Ryan Reeves is playing amazing. You know, we all love to criticize him. He, he's a he's a guy that a lot of people like to hate. Can't blame him. Um, but he's been playing out of this world, and they have that young superstar. He's, honestly, he's becoming one of my favorite players in the game, Keandre Miller. The dude's yeah. doing it all for his position. I mean, he could be he's in a right young field star. He could be in right field somewhere. He's probably the most athletic. He's hockey so player. athletic. He's probably, I mean, we can see the guy doing everything. The guy, the guy cr- can do it all. And Chris Kreider, man, he – Obviously, he had that regular season, but he's been money in the playoffs. So the Rangers, but, they're gonna they're gonna really be a nag for the Lightning. We'll see them roll again but, tomorrow. But so going back to going back to the West, but going, let's go back to the West for just one second before we get to the NBA. In the West, the McDavid McKinnon matchup. I mean, has I, I mean, when was the last time we seen the Sid Dasuk? Yes, that's Duke for sure. This Yeiserman Lemieux. I mean, that's what you mentioned that earlier. I've obviously Iserman and Lemieux's that ultimate blockbuster matchup, but we're seeing that with these two young stars. I think, I think it's equivalent. Like, I really do. McKinnon versus McDavid is straight up Hollywood money. These two are putting it all out when they won game four. In that last round, when the Avs won Game Four, I don't know what got into McKinnon, but he scored like three goals unassisted. Like Dude, it he scored beautiful. it all in one period. It was just beautiful. He had a hat trick in a period. It was just. It was, it was I think insanity. it was in the third period too, or no, it was in the second. It was in the second period. It was insanity. It was, it was pure insanity. He literally said, "I'm going to take over this game," and it's hard to even see Austin Matthews and McDavid do that. So it's time we really give some real, you know, spotlight on McKinnon in Colorado. And he's going to tell you that again here as the abs are up 2-0 and trying to make it 3-0 over the Oilers. He is playing out of this world as well. Obviously, he doesn't have the stats like the other two in, in Edmonton have. I almost said Houston, Jesus, in the 80s. I mean, but he got... has the goals. You know, he's second in playoffs and goals right now. The abs are – they can put up eight goals on a given night. It's a problem. It's crazy. And he's he's the charge of that. It's insanity. It's and we insane, and we but... were talking about that earlier as we watch these this series right now. The Oilers, they have to be better all across the board because the abs are just too deep. They're too good. I think they so can it, put up six goals yeah. in one pure. They can they, the abs can I mean the, the abs can score. Edmonton can score, but Edmonton defensively, that's where it's gonna come in. They're gonna need. They're gonna need. I think and on like, their other lines. And I'm. We were talking lines, about this earlier. I really think you need to take probably either McDavid or Drysaitel. I can't. Oh, I just botched his name again. Dry Drysaitel. Dry 
Dreisaitl has Dreisaitl. been the second best player. Dreisaitl, so I think you need to put him on a separate line, dude. He's creating the you same amount of playmaking. You need something on the other lines to stay with the abs. You, you do. You need to do something. And but another goal for it's the been, abs. I mean, it's, it's, it's just one of those straight things. money in the, in the NHL side of the playoffs. And, and that and gets it, us to the other side. I mean, it's the best time in, in sports right now. We got the cup and we got the NBA finals starting up. That's tough. It's, you know, get get to those conference finals. I mean, start in the East. I mean, I told you at the beginning of the playoffs to watch out for my Celtics. And what did they do? It is exactly what I thought they were going to do. So you can't really blame them. I think we got to look back at the Western Conference. Let's start in the Western. In the Western right, Conference, in the, West. in, the, in the Western Conference semifinals, that kind of just proved Luca needed some help. Luca could only do so much. Yeah, he. I mean, he scored thirty-one a game, and they were still getting blown out. You know, and he's putting triple doubles or near it up every night as well. He just he has nothing around him. And Jalen Brunson too. I'll give him a quick shout out. Jalen Brunson resigns. Jalen Brunson owned earned a bag this year. Yeah. But at the same time, do you re- do you give Jalen Brunson a huge deal and then not build your the rest of your roster? I'll be honest with you. I think if I'm coaching that team, I'm putting that lineup together. I would like to have Brunson and Luca as my two guards in the starting slot. I think I mean you, you still can have use Luca a little bit off ball more, but you have got to get better forwards. You have got to get deeper as a team you, because you right now to, Brunson's your bench. I mean, at the end of the day, like you you got to do something differently at small forward. Having Dorian Finney-Smith playing at the small forward, I mean, or you need really realistically, they need a big. Yeah, I dude, Dory and Phineas Smith would be like a 10 or 11 slot player for most teams. He is not okay. your starting forward. You have so, got to get better. So this is this is my idea. I think the move would be if you need a small forward and you probably don't want to pay excess money for him, you sign and trade Brunson for, let's say, Jeremy Grant from Detroit. That's plug and play. Or yeah, they've kind of or, been through that kind of forward before, though. It's it's or, I mean, Hardaway or, was similar. Or I mean, realistically, a Tobias Harris was well because Tobias Harris is not your number two. Tobias Harris is so much better as a number. If yeah. You can, if you can somehow flip someone to get to keep you keep Brunson and then you bring in a Tobias, now you yeah. have a team. Now, now you have I a think team. you're talking. Now you have a team. I think Tobias Harris. I think he's on the move this season. I do. I, th- I think he's on the move this offseason. I would hope so, obviously, as a 76er follower. But that's a that's yeah, that's got to be the goal. I mean, and then, we, and then we go because he go, fits in perfectly. And when, then when we go and look at the Warriors and how they did it, you know, they did it in five. You know, it probably should have been a sweep. However, you know, I just think the Warriors got complacent. They got comfortable. But as we look at the well, Warriors. And we can't credit. We can't credit out Luca too. I mean, he took over that game that they won. It was he hard did. to beat. He's, you know, he stole a game. Do you think Luca needs to get in a better shape? Yes and no. Um, I think if Luca loses, question. I, I, I think, think if Luca loses maybe ten to fifteen pounds, I think that does change things. If Luca can play, like Luca couldn't do what Jimmy Butler did in games six and seven. Luca from a play condition all, wise, no. From a conditioning standpoint. Yeah. Lucas conditioning is a problem. It is. I mean, it, he's still putting up like eight to ten rebounds. That's where it's kind of a, still a question for me. But obviously, yeah, he he needs a 
it's I don't know if it's I mean, a weight thing per I mean, se, I mean, but he I has got to condition. Lucas got the same issues that Joel Embiid has because those two are probably the only two superstars that don't play thirty eight to forty minutes in the playoffs. Yes and no. I think Embiid's biggest problem is he throws his damn body around like crazy. You know, I think he has some some high level of conditioning, but he's just he's so reckless with his body and he gets exhausted quickly. Lucas is it's poor conditioning for the most part. You know, Jimmy Butler and we can eat we'll jump to him when we get off the West, but his conditioning's on another level. He he will give you that every minute. And I think some guy like a a Jason, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they, they'll do the same. You know, those guys are in a different level when it comes so to conditioning. So, and so, needs to be so, there. When we, so when we look at the Warriors, we saw the Warriors. The Warriors look pretty much unstoppable throughout kind of these playoffs at some point. You know, With Clay Thompson not doing really nothing. You know, Clay really Thompson, anything. I mean, this playoffs really hurt Clay Thompson's um, 75th anniversary case. I think that's And his stock, yeah. It really hurt it. It really hurt it. So yeah, he's not the doing so. Well. One big question for the Warriors is: Do you trade Clay while he still has value to re-sign Jordan Poole? No, nah, I don't. I don't. I think Poole might be one of those guys that will still stick with a team like the Warriors because let's let's remember, Stephen Curry's not going to be there five plus years. He's probably. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I won't talk retirement or nothing. I, I guess he's still in his early thirties, but. I think Poole cool would I think be willing to resign. To, I think you stick them together still. I think what you need to – I think what we need to realize is the way the dynasty of the Warriors was created was Steph Curry was injured. Steph Curry signed that five-year deal and was running like 44 million. Steph Curry being injured for the beginning of his career really helped the Warriors be able to sign people like Kevin Durant, sign, you know, Draymond to that max contract, sign Clay Thompson. Steph's injury started this. So I think Steph is the piece you build around. I do think Clay is the one piece that you really got to look at and say, okay, do we build for the future? I think this whatever they do this offseason signals what direction they're going in. Do they show oh, absolutely? And I think show- it also depends on if on this finals as well. You know, if if they were to go win a ring, I think winning a ring would get them would get Clay out of Golden State more than losing. Oh yeah, they'll get Clay out of Golden State. I think if they even. If, the thing is, Jordan Poole, he was a late first-round pick, so he, I think he has – I don't know. If they, they don't do the fifth-year option, but they still got one more year. I think the issue is if Jordan Poole has another year, it costs you a lot more. So re-signing Jordan Poole this offseason probably is a bigger priority just because you know if he has a good year. But you also got to think into the fact, like, I would not want to be their GM because Clay now has a full offseason to actually try to get better rather than rehabbing. Exactly. That's the biggest piece right here. I don't so, see Clay leaving Golden State though. Like it off choice. Obviously, a trade might happen, but I don't think he's going to leave out of free agency. Right. Um, All right. So let's let's make our way to the East. You know, in the Eastern Conference Finals, we had my Celtics against the Miami Heat. And while the Miami Heat didn't put up a fight, Jimmy Butler put up a fight. Jimmy Butler was not going home. I mean, that man this, played out of this world. I mean, his game six performance. I thought LeBron. I thought LeBron walked through those doors in TD Garden. Uh, it was. <laughs> it, it was like that. Like it felt like Jason Terry getting dunked on all over again, because that forty six points. I mean, Jimmy Butler. The thing about Jimmy Butler is, I think a lot of people don't. When you really watch the game, Jimmy Butler's a reluctant scorer. Can he score fifty? Sure, 
Does he want to score 50? Absolutely not. Jimmy Butler wants to do the dirty work. He wants to lock down your best player. He wants to get his 25 to, you know, he want to get he want to get his 20 to 25 points. That's where Jimmy Butler wants to be. If Jimmy has to score that, the rest of your team. But I mean, I think the Miami Heat team, the Miami Heat as a team let Jimmy down, but also, I'm not I don't want to say it like this, but Eric Spoelstra made a bad coaching decision leaving Max Struess in the game and not playing Victor Oladipo more. If you look at game seven, Victor Oladipo had a lot of points. He was a, His plus minus was way better than Max Struess. And then at the end of game five, Duncan Robinson started seeing shots going in. Obviously, Duncan Robinson and Max Struess were negatives on defense, but Duncan Robinson's three, three-point ability is the so lineup's much more not valuable. good when you have Butler and Oladipo in. So that's the big reason why Oladipo wasn't it. I mean, Butler played every to, minute in those last two games. I mean, but then you also got you also got you also got Kyle Lowry in your lineup, and then you know, like we were talking about conditioning, the Miami Heat have you have to be under eight percent body fat to play on their team. Kyle Lowry is way over eight percent body fat. <laughs> yeah, and, and we saw that was the Heat's biggest problem was. Butler was the only guy that was actually getting on the floor the final three to four minutes of those, some of those games where Boston between Smart, Tatum, and Brown, Miami needs they're a, a unit. Miami needs a star. Miami needs a true superstar. And it's not saying Jimmy's not one, but clearly after this series, I don't want to hear anything else about Bam Adebayo. I agree. This, Bam let this team down. Like, Bam let his team down. Like, this entire thing. Like Al Horford, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, anyone the Celtics threw at Bam, it was a revolving door. It was just easy money. It yeah, was it was, it was embarrassing. We talked it was embarrassing. about Grant Williams' defense because he's been absolutely amazing for Boston, and obviously Al Horford who... playing at the age he's and at the skill that he's playing at with his age, it's it's unreal what they're doing on that Grant, front side for Boston. Grant Williams plays a lot like Karan Butler. That's what he reminds me of, except that he takes he takes three pointers yeah, and Karan yeah. Butler only shot twos. But I'm talking about with that hard nosed defense, that investing on defense mentality. He plays a lot like Karan Butler. You know, you know exactly what you're going to get out of Grant Williams, and you've got to take it every single time. Yeah, he's so consistent. And shout out to Al Holford. I mean, we'll, we'll give him a spit and cap shout out real quick. Because I mean, he's been I mean, through the, the trenches guy. in the NBA playoffs. The, the big guy. I mean, you know, we we you know, all the homies love Al Horford. You know, like Al Horford's that, uh, that old guy that's at the YMCA that taps <laughs> you on the back at the end of the game and say, like, Good game, young fella. And now you ready to fight at the YMCA because he just, already he, worked he, you. <laughs> he just out Al Horford just outworks you. Yeah. Plain and, and simple. And it doesn't matter to the age. I mean, the guy is a workhorse for any team he's been on, especially for Atlanta. He does, he does it all. He's a he's leader just, on and off he, the court, and he and elevates and people. Then, and then he's just so defensively sound. I think a lot of people are like Al Horford slow. He doesn't know how to move his feet. But when you no. look at it, Al Horford has been the best defensive player. Al Horford leads the NBA in the in the playoffs. He leads the playoffs, and he leads the playoffs in contested shots, and he leads the playoffs in field goal percentage alive. Yes. Al Horford has been the best defensive player in the playoffs. He's so sound, and and it gets us to our big subject here in the Eastern 
conference side, he gets so sound in his defense. We saw a big, big moment when he was doing one-on-one with Butler. Butler took a, a controversial shot. It's becoming to be. But we saw Horford, you know, drift into more of the paint, trying to stop a possible drive, and it allowed Butler to pull up a three. How 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 do you what do you think of that shot? Good, that bad. Good, that was a good shot. I that was a good shot. I mean, you go for at you the go end for of the day. The, Butler's your best player. Don't Butler's your him. Butler's your best player. Butler has played every minute of that game. Butler knows he's not going to make it through overtime. And not only that, but you take the three and go for the win. You don't take the two and try to go for a tie because now there's 16 seconds left if he hits the three. Yeah. Those 16 seconds, Boston still has time to run a play, come down, get to the field goal line. They're in a, they're in a double bonus, so they get two free throws. And not only that, but Jimmy Butler knows he can't play overtime. You go for the win. Yeah, and a three creates a lot more havoc for that other team. But more shot. importantly, and this might this might get a lot of you know talk at it. But more importantly, if Butler were to drive, there's a good chance Horford wins that game with leading a charge. I mean, Horford is that damn not only on a defense, charge but he or has, blocking him. He had four blocks that game. Yeah, like people want to say, oh, that's an easy ass bucket for Butler. No, it's not. You're going straight into Horford, straight into a guy who is – he wants that finals opportunity more than anyone on that court, mm-hmm. and he's damn good on the defensive mm-hmm. side. That's not worked, an easy bucket. That so three might be easier. That three was a good shot, and anyone who tells you it was a bad shot doesn't really watch the game. They don't – you're not playing the analytics game. I mean, analytics tells you it was a good shot. I mean, just the – This ain't 2K you know? on, on pro mode. You're not just going to go drive down someone's throat. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's 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 levels to this, baby. Al Horford is already back. That's why you take the three because Al Horford is already mid backpedal. That's why you take the three. Yeah, that could have easily been led to a charge, knowing Horford and knowing any other guy on on Boston. Especially when you look at the way the game had already been called as well. When you take so many other other factors into account, you got to do it. But yeah, great shot. Sorry, he didn't make it. So so now we're. So now we're in the finals. You know, Celtics took game one by the fourth quarter. And I'm going to be honest. The Warriors dominated. The Warriors dominated. And then in the fourth quarter, you know what Jalen Brown said? Hey, hold my beer. (laughs) (laughs) Jalen Brown started the fourth quarter. He had 10 straight points. I don't think there has been a contested shot that Jalen Brown doesn't like. Like, Not not around the early perimeter and in the, you know, Driving. I mean, I mean, it doesn't matter. Jalen Brown. Like, he will make that's, that bucket. That, that's the weird thing about Jalen Brown. Everyone forgets the scouting report of Jalen Brown when he came out of Cal. Jalen Brown could not shoot to save his life in college, in high school. And now Jalen Brown's one of the better three-point shooters in the NBA. He forgot how to dribble. But if Jalen – He still has good playmaking, though, with his – If Jalen Brown gets – If he gets back to his right hand – there's a problem. You got a problem. And Jalen Brown is just it, – it's so – it looks so effortless sometimes. Like, I really enjoy watching Jalen Brown play the game as well. And then, you know, like, the big thing, you know, like, I was talking – we were talking during the game, and we were like, man, Tatum is off. But the thing I like about Tatum is he knew he was off. And in that fourth quarter and in the second half, really, he said, you know what, my shot's not falling. I'm going to become a playmaker. He had 13 assists. Nope. That's how you turn around a game. 
you don't just keep shooting and hoping something goes in. You say, you know what, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to help the rest of my team. I mean, that was really – that was a team game. I mean, Al Horford, his six threes. Derek White, his six – like, Derek White, his seven threes. Like, these – those things don't happen. It does when you create that playmaking when you have I mean, selfless players, and that's I mean, what Tatum every, did. Every time, every time down the floor, the drive started with the, – the possession started with either Jalen Brown or Tatum driving into the lane and kick, and then you start the action. I mean – the Celtics head coach might be coach of the year because the job he did, I mean, the Celtics were 29 and 29 at one point in the season. And he's turned these guys around. I mean, his in-game adjustments are way better than anything. The one thing I will say about game one was the Celtics started the game and dropped coverage against Steph Curry with, Al, with Robert Williams instead of Al Horford. Oh, yeah, Curry had six threes in the first quarter. And then, you know. and then when you start running that drop coverage with Al Horford, that's when Curry starts slowing down because Robert Williams is too young. So they can exploit drop coverage against Robert Williams. Against Al Horford, it's not happening. Robert Williams is a shot blocker, of course, but it's not it's not the same. And you got to give kudos to Boston's coach for adjusting to that. You know, game one of the finals, his first time there. Obviously, a lot of nerves in the, in the room, and he adjusted to a big, you know, burst from Golden State out the gate and they came back, what was it, 17 plus at one point? Yeah, it was big. I mean, the Celtics outscored them 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter. I mean, the the Celtics went on a 48 to 13 run from the end of the third quarter throughout the fourth. That's what they ended the game on. So, I mean, the Celtics have the best defense in the NBA for one simple reason. They can switch one through five. Like, literally, like, not like teams that switch one through five and say they can, but you got a weak link somewhere. The Celtics got a strong defender one through five when they play. And they have one of the deepest all-around rosters, one of the deepest benches. The only thing about their bench that's really missing for the most part. Shooting. is, I mean, it's shooting, but, you know, starting Derek White, you know, that helps, you know, but then you got Peyton Pritchard. But you also can, like, Based on the game to game, you might see Derek. You might see Derek White starting, but then you also might see Grant Williams starting. The Celtics have so many movable pieces. Peyton Pritchard coming off the bench. I mean, Peyton, the the things that Peyton Pritchard did to Jordan Poole in that game one are illegal. Like I thought, Jim Crow laws were back the way that, <laughs> that Jordan Poole got done so bad. Like it was that bad. And the problem with it is. Jordan Poole was a negative offensively, and he was a negative defensively. And they can't afford to not have Jordan Poole on the floor. The Warriors cannot. No, not with the lack of depth they have. Not with lack of depth. Especially as the guard. And not not with the way Clay has been playing. And not with the way Clay has played. Yeah, Clay's Clay's honestly been a giant liability. I know that might get some criticism, but it's true. I mean, it, it, it really is true. If you look at Game one, and even the defeats, the the one loss they had in the conference finals, he's just like I know, he like hasn't I know, been great. Like he hasn't even five. been good. Like yes, he carried them in game five, but at the end of the day, like he carried them off ten shots, and he did you know B plus defense. I mean, he was the the highlight of game five, but he didn't really carry them. You know, it's just he's I mean, not he's, he's, he's be- a shell of himself. The matchup that everyone needs to watch is Draymond versus Marcus Smart. 
Yeah. And what I mean by that, when I'm, what I mean by that, is you need to watch whoever come like when you look at their their rebounds, their assists, and their points. Whoever is at twenty is going to win the game. Well, you got to look at that number. Combine rebounds, assists, and points. Whoever is at twenty, that'll tell you which team won the game. Yep. In game one, Draymond was terrible. Like, never seen Draymond play that bad before. But especially was, the finals, yeah. You know, I think they, I think they took Boston as a joke, and also too, the Warriors could not afford to lose that game. You give up home court advantage to Boston now, and the big thing is you wasted the one bad Jason Tatum game. Jason Tatum might be inconsistent. But Jason Tatum having 12 points, you have to win that game. I agree. You have to win. If, if you hold Jason Tatum to 12 points, you got to win that game. So, and more importantly, you cannot blow that kind of lead. You can't blow that kind this of lead. This is the finals. Jordan Poole can't be that bad. And Steph Curry can't have. I mean, his second half was so terrible. The one player that impressed me this game was Andrew Wiggins. On the defensive side? On the defensive side, on the offensive side, too. Because if you watch it, Andrew Wiggins is the screener. Whoever Andrew Wiggins' man is, when he's the screener, watch that matchup. Because he Andrew Wiggins, spacing. When, when he sets that screen for Steph Curry, usually that's a pick and pop for Andrew Wiggins or that's a drive for Andrew Wiggins. So that's the matchup to watch. But with that being said, I got the Celtics in six. I was gonna say I'm not, I don't know if I'm gonna ask you what team, but okay, you got you got your Celtics in six. Yeah, this is tough. I mean, obviously, I would have said Warriors in seven if we did this before Game One. Game One kind of gave you a lot of storylines, a lot of things to break down as we have. I'm still gonna roll with Golden State though. I know. I mean, it could go. Seven. I love Jalen Brown. Seven. I love that Boston unit. I just think that for some reason, Golden State might get that last ring. I think they could. I think they do. I think they could. Golden State definitely could. If it goes seven, they win. What will tell me this is if they win a game in Boston. If they win a game and can steal home court advantage back from Boston, that'll be what we need to watch. Yeah. Underline that and capitalize it. I agree. If, if they, if they take one from Boston, it really tells you that they might win this series, especially if it's in seven. And look at the number of minutes Andre Goodell plays. If Andre Goodell plays, over 10 minutes, the Warriors aren't going to win another game. Any game Andre Iguodala plays more than 10 minutes in. I think you just put a little Jedi coat on him and let him talk to the guys. You don't put them on the court. I mean, I don't want to sound like Max Kellerman, but if the aliens come through. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, I mean, we got a lot to come back from. So, you know, we're going to hey, it's 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 playoff season, baby. The spitting cop. Spitting Cat podcast is hot. Obviously, we had the Oilers and Oilers going to the next period against the Avs. It's going to be a tight one to wrap up. If you guys aren't watching the Stanley Cup right now, if you're not watching the finals, you you're a damn fool. I don't know why you're watching our listening to our podcast about sports. Get on it. The playoffs are hot, baby. Spitting Cat podcast. We're going to be back for another one, though, huh? Yeah, we might, we might turn around real quick this time. We, we might give them a quick turn around. Know, back, to, back, about- to back. back to back. Back to back. We'll see you on the next one, Jared.
Thanks for listening. Make sure to leave a download and share this episode with your friends. It might seem like a steady climb. But you already know, Spin Cat Podcast is coming for the top. You heard?